What is up, you beautiful human? Hello and welcome to the Raw, Real and Vulnerable podcast with me, your host, Beck Antonucci. This is the podcast where there are no rules and no topic is off limits. Here we are leaving the filtered, curated and socially acceptable version of ourselves at the theoretical door and together we will walk into a world of radical self-expression, true authenticity and deep vulnerability. This podcast is for you if you're a stigma fighter, a shame slayer, a woman desiring to call in her aligned partner or simply a woman sick of not showing the fuck up to her life as her true authentic self. I cannot wait to welcome you into my world and connect with every single one of you. Strap yourself in because we are only just getting started. Let's fucking go. Hello, beautiful human. And oh my God, finally, episode number one of the Raw, Real and Vulnerable podcast. This idea that has been in my mind for such a long time we have landed. Welcome. If you are new to my world, welcome. If you are old to my world, thank you for being here. I'm sure that you've been part of the journey for quite some time now and I'm fucking ecstatic to be sitting here with you all in your ears, whether you're driving in your car, on the train, on the way to work, walking the coast, if you're in Perth, if you're in America, if you're in where, like, where even are you right now? I am so happy to be here. I really am. I really, I, I don't have anything else to say other than I'm actually ecstatic that this is happening right now. This has been something that I have desired to bring online and to fruition for such a long time. And I'm sure you can gather I'm a bit wild. (laughs) I'm a bit wild. I'm very expressed. I have a lot to say. My conversations could go anywhere and I don't care. I'm open to that. I'm open to kind of having a structure and then just free backing it in whatever way it goes. Because for me, self-expression is so important. The woman doing the work to cultivate the internal worthiness and courage to use her voice and activate her expression, whatever way feels unique, authentic, natural, normal to her. That is my deepest desire. That's what fucking turns me on. That's what excites me about my business. It excites me to see women break free from these limiting false beliefs that have kept them small and suppressed for them to then activate and cultivate this internal courage and worthiness, not confidence. Notice I never said confidence. I said courage and worthiness to then go and do the courageous thing, say the courageous thing, move their body in such a way that feels courageous for them that is their own unique essence of self-expression to then be able to become confident in who they are as a being, to become confident in their self-expression, to be able to become confident in their voice. That is what I fucking love. I love it. It lights me on fire. So welcome. Podcast number one. We are here. Finally, I'm sure you've gathered. I say fuck quite a lot. So if you have any aversion to swearing, any aversion to sex, any aversion to just radically expressed women, any aversion to women who desire to be really embodied in their being, really courageous in their expression, really courageous in their choices, really courageous in their relationships, really bold with money. If any of that is a trigger for you and not a trigger that you desire to lean in, probably not your place here. I mean, I do believe triggers are our teachers, but I really desire every person who's listening to this podcast right now to really want to be here. And I really want you to want to be here. 
They're all the things that I'm going to be talking about and so much more. Obviously, fam, if you've followed me for a long time, you know how much I am an outspoken, powerful voice for the herpes virus online. So that will have a massive essence through this entire podcast. And it's not the herpes virus in a sense of, oh my God, medically, what does it mean for my life? I love the woman breaking free from any limiting belief that has kept her small and suppressed and living in her shell. And I'm really deeply connected with the spiritual connection an emotional connection to the herpes virus and believing that the herpes virus is a massive amplifier for any ineffective belief that we already held about the self. I've never met a woman who's like, oh my God, I test positive for herpes and I hate myself, that I then ask her and say, so prior to the herpes virus, your life was just the fucking bees, knees, you were expressed, you loved yourself, you're fully expressed and liberated in the bedroom, you asked what you want, you were so open to receiving, you were winning, your money mindset was incredible, your relationship with your parents was fucking awesome, you lived in this beautiful living environment, like everything in your life was up-leveling nonstop. No, usually 9.9 times out of 10. No, that was not my life beforehand. And so when I speak about the herpes virus, what I really speak about is the vehicle of it being the herpes virus coming into our world, amplifying all of our limiting beliefs and showing us the work that is here for us to do. The woman choosing herself fully. For the women who resonate with this topic, it lands for you. It showed up in the vehicle of herpes. For other people, it shows up in different vehicles. We all have a fucking vehicle that comes into our life, a car that we just didn't want to pull up in our driveway. And yet that fucking car rolled on in and said, I'm here. And if I'm a broken down car that sits in your garage and you don't go and fix it, by the time you go to get in the car, it's still not going to fucking work until you look at it. So this car that we didn't want that came anyway, is here. It's in the driveway. And it's like, well, I want to fucking move that bitch. I want it out of the way. And I'd love for it to just disappear, but it's not going to. I could, I could pretend it doesn't exist. I could live in denial, which we've all done. I've done that for many, many years. I'm like, I'm just going to pretend the car isn't there. And if I pretend the car isn't there, then maybe I can just live my life and never acknowledge it. And I'll just be okay. And no one will ever have to know. But the thing is, we know, we know that the car's there. We know that that car is broken down and we know that we can't just make it disappear. Tow truck's not fucking coming. There is no spiritual tow truck to remove this car. So do you know what that means? We can live in denial for a period of time, but at the end of the day, however long it takes, that car is still going to be sitting there. And we can leave. We can go to a different country. We can go on a holiday. We can get a different boyfriend. We can buy a new car. (laughs) But the old car is still there, sitting there, waiting for us to look at it. And that's what the inner work is. It's sitting there saying, I'm a car that you didn't want to pull up in your driveway and yet here I am, I'm broken down, I require a little bit of fixing and I'm going to sit here as a reminder in your front yard until you decide to look at me. And once you do decide to look at me and you start to do the inner work, I'm actually going to turn on and you can then drive me out and you can send me somewhere else. And then you can bring in a beautiful car. And you can really welcome that car and it can be a Ferrari, it can be a BMW, whatever the fuck kind of car you want to put there. But until you get rid of the old car, the new car can't arrive. So to make this podcast about you and knowing that it is my Welcome to Beck two-part series podcast, my first question before I get into sharing my journey with you is what are you avoiding? What are you avoiding? So 
to share my journey with you, fam. The seed of the journey was planted long before I realized. From age 14, I would go to this school where the girls were really nasty. My best friend one day got to school and decided that she wasn't my best friend anymore. And in that experience, not only decided that she wasn't my best friend, but acted really nasty to me. And it felt like at the time that she brought the entire school year with her to say mean, horrible, nasty things to me, at me. I would fear going to classroom. I would get screamed at. I would fear getting up at assembly. I would fear having my name called out to receive an award. I would fear going to school and sitting by myself. I would pack my school desk up every single day. I would cry. I didn't want to tell my parents because I feared, again, hear the word fear said so many times, repeated so many times. I didn't want to tell my parents because my parents are very goody two-shoe kind of parents. They would do the right thing, which is call the school and the school would say something to her. And my fear was if my parents called school and the school say something to her, my life's going to get a hundred times harder than what it already is. I really hated myself back then. I used to think to myself, what is it about me that makes me so unworthy? What is it about me that makes girls hate me so much? What is it about me that makes me so ugly? She was my best friend and she used to scream at me, you're disgusting, you're rank. And these are two words that have stayed with me my entire life. I hate both those words, even now, even now with all the inner child work, inner teenager healing I've done, I hate hearing those words. And this is why my first question to you is, what are you avoiding? When I was 14, I didn't know anything about the subconscious mind. I didn't know anything about the conscious mind being a gatekeeper of our subconscious mind. So I want you to imagine going to a private prestige all-girls school where the pinnacle of success there was popularity, and I was so far removed from that. I was getting screamed at every single day. I sat by myself. I joined every sport team there was before school, recess, lunch, and after school sports just so that I could be a part of a team and not be by myself. So I was so far removed from popularity, which means I was the furthest away from success that you could be. And I was having these beautiful girls, the popular girls, the the ones that were successful at school, screaming at me, these awful, nasty things. And I felt like I was being laughed at. And not for doing anything. I was like, what is it that I'm doing that makes me so awful to these humans? Is it the way I look? Is it the way I sound? I tried to be different. I would do different things, try different things, try to appease, try to people please. What is it that I can do? What is it that I can say to get them to like and accept me? I didn't know, but I was desperate for it. And not knowing what the subconscious mind is, as this young girl was screaming at me, you're disgusting, you're rank. I turned my back and walk away because my parents used to say to me, if you have nothing good to say, don't say it at all and be the bigger person. So to begin with, I thought as these nasty things are getting yelled at me, I'm just going to turn my back and walk away because that's what a good person would do. That's what the bigger person would do. But when you're 14 and you're not equipped with tools and resources to support you to navigate the things that are being screamed at you, well, words do hurt. And so I'm turning my back and walking away, but I'm hearing the words and the words were really landing for me. And so remember, the conscious mind is the gatekeeper of the subconscious. And I'm this 14-year young girl saying, well, maybe I am all of these things. Maybe I am disgusting. Maybe I am rank. And so knowing how powerful our thoughts are, I want you to consider what kind of lasting impact that had on me and my life and the things that I then created in my young adult life 
with the false belief, I am disgusting and I am rank, because I was questioning it as though these things were being yelled at me. I was questioning, am I that thing? And as three to four years went past of the same things being yelled at me every single day, I felt defeated and I started to accept that in their eyes, that is what I am, therefore that is what I am. And that was my internal narrative. I am disgusting. I am rank. I can't survive in this school with 160 girls. How will I ever survive in the big wide world? I was super scared. I attempted to take my own life as a teenager. I had one suicide attempt. And honestly, the fact that I made it out of high school now, I'm so grateful for that experience. It deeply saddens me to think about teenagers now going through bullying experiences because when I think about that experience then minus mobile phones and minus social media, I'm really curious what that experience would have been like for me if I went home, got online and saw a post from the girl who was bullying me about me on the internet. I don't know if I would have made it through high school if the time that I had been born had have been different. So I'm grateful for that experience, truly grateful, truly grateful that it has created so much strength for me now and a deep desire to be a powerful stand for women who don't have a voice because essentially that's what I desired then. I desired myself to have the courage and confidence, the worthiness to be able to speak up and say, no, you don't get to speak to me like that. That's not right versus turn my back and walk away. And so I leave high school and I'm deeply fearful and the conditioning inside of me is now thinking I am scared of women. Women obviously hate me. Where can I go? And I didn't realize I was seeking safety. I had created this belief that, well, women are going to emotionally harm me through their words and that's going to lead to physical pain through me attempting to take my life. That created a deep sense of not feeling safe in this world, not feeling safe to be myself, not feeling safe to use my voice, not feeling safe to just be me and be accepted. had no idea what life would look like outside of school. And so I leave school and I decide not consciously that women are scary and therefore I must go and get a boyfriend, but unconsciously this is what occurred for me. Obviously women are unsafe. I'm going to go and get a boyfriend. A boyfriend might be able to keep me safe. Men might be able to be my place and space of safety. Again, I want you to hear the come from that that was. Remember, my question is, what are you avoiding? I experience pain. Women are unsafe. They are going to emotionally harm me and that's going to lead to physical pain. If I go and get a boyfriend, I might be safe in this world. My come from wasn't desire. My come from wasn't love, even though I'm sure there were aspects of that. Underlying that, my come from was I will create safety with this person. I was still avoiding all the beliefs that I created about myself, about being disgusting and about being ranked. I wasn't looking at the trauma that had occurred. I was running from it. And so I get a boyfriend. He was gorgeous. He was blonde. He was a little bogan with blue eyes. He was skinny. He rode motorbikes. And I just thought he was the best thing ever. And we dated for, I'm not sure, two, two and a half years now. And it was so long ago. It's really funny. I'm a celebrant for my friend's wedding in Greece in September. And I, they've been together for 17 years. And I took them both out individually to ask some questions for me to be the celebrant <laughs> so that I can write the best celebrant speech of all time. And I'm asking them questions about their relationship 17 years ago. And some of their questions are like, I don't know, Beck. It was 17 years ago. And I'm like, think think this is important. Then they start asking me about my relationship 17 years ago. I'm like, shit, 
I don't really remember that. I don't know. It was so long ago. <laughs> so 17 years ago was quite a long time ago. It was probably a two, two and a half year relationship. I don't remember incredible amounts of detail, but I do remember being so in love with this blonde, blue-eyed boy. And remember, I was coming from a space of avoidance and finding safety and validation in him. And that relationship, again, ended very abruptly. And through an act of physical violence, he punched me in the head. We're sitting in the back of a car. We had a massive fight. He punched me in the head and knocked me unconscious. And that was the moment that our relationship completed. And so I woke up the next day. I had this massive bump on my head. I had this bruise down my face and I just lost the person that was the love of my life at the time. And I was deeply heartbroken. I didn't eat. I didn't sleep. I felt all of this shame for being hurt and harmed. I knew that a man hitting a woman was really bad, but deep down, I'd never been in love before. I wanted this boy to want me back and to choose me and to answer my phone calls or to text me. And he was ignoring me. And I just felt just huge amounts of shame that someone could physically harm me. And then I felt so worthless as a person that my partner, my boyfriend of two and a half years could physically harm me and then ignore me. And just, it felt like, not saying this was a true experience, but it felt like he just moved on with his life. And I was in so much deep pain, so much shame. And the story that I created for myself in that moment was now I do not have a place where I belong in this world. Women hurt and harm emotionally and physically, and men now physically harm, and that creates a huge amount of emotional pain, shame, trauma, embarrassment, humiliation. And I want you to hear some of those words, shame, trauma, embarrassment, humiliation. And again, I had no idea what the conscious mind was, no idea what the subconscious mind was, no idea that as humans, events occur and we create stories and false beliefs about the world and that we then start to live from that space. No idea that that existed. And so this relationship completes. I've gone through this deep pain of losing a boyfriend and the shame of how it all occurred. I felt now deeply unsafe in the world and I knew that to be true. I knew that I felt unsafe and I wondered what was my next point of call? Where do I turn to find my safety? I had no idea. And so I joined a gym. I thought, look, if I can't be emotionally strong, I'm obviously a weak person. My ex-boyfriend has punched me in the head. And even though I won't say this out loud, and I never said this out loud to anyone, but I really wanted him back. I was just like, please, will he just call me? And I was just like, I thought to myself, you must be such a weak person, Rebecca, to want this person back after what he did to you. And then I thought to myself, what can I do? If I'm emotionally weak, how do I become strong? And I thought, maybe if I'm physically strong, people won't try to hurt me. People won't bully me. People won't be mean to me. I'll never have a boyfriend again that ever lays a hand on me. Maybe before I become emotionally strong, I just have to become physically strong to pretend that I am strong. That was my desire and my drive behind going to the gym. Physical appearance had minimal to nothing to do with me actually joining the gym in the first place. I think I always wanted really toned arms and a flat stomach. But beyond that, I desired to look strong so that people wouldn't hurt and harm me. And so I joined a gym. I met this personal trainer. I was called to work with a woman instead of a man. These these two humans came recommended to me through someone that I knew. So I was like, yes, I'm going to join the gym. I'm going to get a female personal trainer. I walk into this gym one day. And remember, I've been bullied and I went to a school where popularity is the pinnacle of success. I walk into this gym 
And it looks like a nightclub during the day. There to me is all of these attractive people. There to me are humans I've never seen before. I'm young, I'm impressionable, I'm scared, I'm nervous. There are men training for bodybuilding competitions. I have never in my life up until then seen a man with a gym body. And I was just like, what the fuck is this? This is like a human zoo of really popular looking people who are all going to hurt, harm and or reject me. And so I walk into this gym and I'm like, I'm fucking scared. I see women training for gladiator, women training for bodybuilding competitions, women training for bikini modeling competitions. Everyone looks young, healthy, fit, beautiful, popular. And what did young, beautiful, fit, healthy, popular mean to me? People who were not going to accept me. So I had my personal trainer. I was going there anyway. I felt really safe with her. I had my personal training program. I felt really safe with my program. When I walked into this gym, I could just hide behind my program and I could work on becoming strong so that people wouldn't hurt and harm me. That was the start of my fitness journey at age 19. Well, little did I know what an addictive personality I have. (laughs) And so I start this gym program, this personal trainer writes me, and I start her eating plan that she writes me, and it has, you know, your 12 almonds, your 100 grams of apple, your 160 grams of grilled chicken breast, the broccoli, And I didn't know what dieting was. I was just like, I want to look strong and I would like a flat stomach and toned arms. I'm going to do what this woman says so I can have that happen for me. And so I do exactly what she says, literally to the letter. I count out the almonds individually. I weigh the broccoli. I weigh the protein powder. Everything was done exactly as she said. And in that time, my body starts to rapidly transform. I go from a normal girl into a Fitzbo girl in two to three months. And what started to happen in that journey is in this gym, in this really busy gym full of people that looked really scary to me and looked like people that might not accept me, all of a sudden, everyone started to be really nice. And all of a sudden, everyone started to know my name. And all of a sudden, everyone started to compliment me and started to ask me questions and started to praise me and started to ask to spend time with me. Facebook was new. I had all of these Facebook friend requests. And I started to feel really accepted and validated. And in that moment, I just thought to myself, wow, I spent five years in this fucking hell where people hated me for no reason. And now all I have done is changed my body and everyone likes me. And now this could sound like something that's really vain, but I want you to hear what's underneath that. Underneath that is a girl that was so scared and so fearful that she thought the key to her safety was through her physical appearance. So I became so addicted to the diet plan, the training program, the gym, and looking a certain way so people would like, love, and accept me. And it started a 10-plus year journey of disordered eating that has taken so much work for me to break through. I suffered with bulimia for a really long time. I never told anyone because I experienced so much shame over it. It was like the high was so high when I was looking a certain way that received the praise and the validation. But remember what my come from was? My come from was I'm desiring safety through my body. It was never from an authentic place. It was never from a grounded place. It was never from an emotionally mature place. It was always from a place of deep-seated unworthiness. And the diet could only ever last so long until it didn't last any longer. And when I fell off that wagon, oh my God, the pain and the shame and the spiral of the eating, the binges that felt all-consuming 
and then the days of darkness afterwards. There are days of my life that I do not consciously remember that I spent eating and I experienced it felt like I could not stop. I would consume just silly amounts of food and I didn't realize it was my emotions that I was running from and avoiding that was contributing to this compulsion to eat. And then it was the validation of the people when they gave it to me that was contributing to this compulsion to exercise and lose the weight. And it felt like this yo-yo roller coaster that I could never get off. I was at war with food. I was at war with fitness. I was at war with training. I tried every gym, every workout plan, every diet plan. And I didn't realize it was my relationship with self and the trauma that I was running from that I would get on the treadmill and I would remember I'd be on it and I'd be like, you can't be ranked. You can't be disgusting. You cannot let that guy see you look like this. When I say that guy, I'm trying to use it. We're going to call my ex-boyfriend Sam because that's not his name. Cannot let Sam see you looking like this. You must be better than him. And that would be my driver. My driver would be to be better than the people who hurt and harm me. That's not a great come from, fam. It's not an embodied come from. That's not from a come from of I fucking love myself. And so for as long as that was my come from and as long as avoidance was what I was doing, there was never any space for me to heal my relationship with food. There was never any space for me to heal my trauma. Even though I'm on that treadmill saying I must not be that and I must be better than them, I didn't realize that I was fucking avoiding all of the pain and all of the stories, all the limiting beliefs and false beliefs that were created in those moments in my teenage years. It was teenage trauma and not creating an identity for myself, feeling so lost from 14 to 19, feeling so hurt and harmed by men and women that left me with a deep sense of a lack of safety in the world that contributed towards me going on this 10-year disordered eating journey. And remember, fam, this is a two-part series. And I I mean, I just let my podcast strategy team know that actually my welcome podcast is a 10-part series. It really could be. I want to let you know that this is one of the reasons why I am so fucking grateful for the herpes virus, because I do not believe that I would have ever healed my disordered eating, which for me was one of the hardest things in my life to ever overcome. In fact, I would probably say, big call, but I would say that overcoming bulimia and disordered eating and creating a relationship with my body where I thrive and I love her and I love being in bikinis and I accept that in winter, I'm a fucking animal. In the summer, I eat fruit and avocado and I'm just like, oh my God, I'm a little fitspo. Look at my body. I have a beautiful athletic body and I love to work out. In the winter, I love heartier meals and I put on two to three to four kilos in the winter and that just naturally happens every year because I'm an animal we all are and to get to a place where I accept that and I accept my body and I accept her with curves and I accept her in the summer when she's smaller for that to happen and for me to have a healthy relationship with food for food to no longer consume every single thought that I have wow I have come such a long way and it was actually harder than overcoming the herpes virus, the shame of the herpes virus. But the shame of the herpes virus was literally the thing that supported me in healing my relationship with food. And so I hope I leave you on a massive cliffhanger today, fam, because I'm going to leave you with the moment that my life changed forever. When I was 25, I was so in love with this man and we had a relationship two and a half, maybe three years. Again, I can't remember stuff that is so long ago, especially time range, but I remember being so infatuated with this particular person. 
I really thought that this was a man that I was going to marry. And I had a future fantasy of this man and his family, his mum being the grandma to my children and all these things. And I deeply, deeply really loved these humans. And this person just was not the person for me. And he definitely played a huge role in my life and has been one of my greatest teachers in my life up until now, especially when it comes to letting go from past pains to create space for love to enter. But this relationship ended after approximately three years and not in the most seamless of ways. Through a series of really painful events, our relationship came to a completion and I ended up having sex with another man, someone who was my friend, someone who promised me that he was STI free and It doesn't matter how you end up on the receiving end of an STI. I want you to know that some people have sex with thousands of people and never receive one. And some people are virgins and the first person they sleep with, they end up on the receiving end of an STI. If it comes your way, the thing that I say is it comes to the people who need to receive it. That is my belief. That is my silver lining. And that has really been a part of my belief system that supported me to create deep acceptance around this thing. And I know I talk about it powerfully on the internet now with so much certainty and confidence and conviction, but I want to let you know that there was a time in my life where I thought that this particular thing, the word herpes, knowing that I test positive for this stigmatized virus, I really thought that that was the end of my life. And I considered it being, I considered it being the end of my life. I really thought that there was no life outside of a life testing positive with the herpes virus. I didn't know that that day that felt like the absolute fucking worst day of my life, the day that I actually, for the second time in my life, considered taking my life, I didn't realize that that was the day that my life had actually changed for the better and my life had just begun. I had no idea. I had no idea that the worst day of my whole entire life I would one day look back on and say it's one of the moments that I am most grateful for. It blows my mind to know that that is where I'm at It blows my mind to think that I wish that I could go back and sit with that girl then, that 25-year young girl then. I wish energetically I could sit in that doctor's office. And there's almost a part of me that knows that she never could know that this would happen. I could never tell her. I could never tell her because she needed to go through that pain. She needed to go through that pain and she needed to realize that this is what she was avoiding. Her entire life, and this is why I asked you at the beginning, fam, what are you avoiding? Her entire life, she was running. I didn't realize my programming was to be avoided. I was running from the beliefs, I am disgusting, I am rank, that I created as a 14-year-old girl. Then I'm 19 and I get hit in the head. I believe our thoughts create our reality. I get hit in the head and I create stories of deep embarrassment and humiliation and I want to run from that. I changed my body to never, ever again be perceived by the external world as disgusting and rank and embarrassing and humiliating. I run from these limiting beliefs. I'm avoiding them. I'm not looking at them. I'm not even realizing that they're the beliefs that I hold about myself. But I'm saying to myself, I'm going to do everything in my power that I can to not be that. I'm going to restrict my eating so much so that I can never be that thing. I'm going to remove food. I'm going to exercise one, two, three, four, five hours a day. I'm going to cut calories. I'm going to buy supplements. I'm going to have the fitspo body. I'm going to do sexy photo shoots on the internet. I'm going to do bodybuilding competitions. I'm going to do anything that I can. 
going to start a business. I'm going to feel like I'm going to get this particular boyfriend with this external image and this amount of wealth. I'm going to do everything I can so the external world can perceive me as being none of those things. I was so exhausted, so exhausted striving, so exhausted trying to be something so the external world would like, love and accept me. And the day that the herpes virus landed in my life, I didn't realize that that was the moment that God, universe source, whoever it is that you align with said, she cannot fucking run any longer. How long do you need to keep going on this path? You were bullied from age 14. You're fucking 25. It's time to stop running. It's time to stop running. And it's time to look at all of the thoughts that you're avoiding. And so I was 25 and the worst day and the best day of my life happened. And I walked into a doctor's office, one woman, and I walked out someone entirely different. And now I can look at that day and say, that was one of the best days of my whole life. And it felt like one of the most painful events to ever occur for me. Fam, I'm going to deep dive into that day and so much more on podcast number two so that you can really get to know me, so that you can really see into my life the lens through which I view the world, the beliefs that I used to create, how I managed to transmute that pain and turn it into self-ownership, how I stopped people pleasing, appeasing and trying to be something so that everyone else would like, love and accept me and create the internal permission slip for me to just be all of myself authentically. If you received so much value from that, the one thing that I would really like you to take away is asking yourself the question, what are you avoiding? What is it that you're avoiding? Because if you really looked, you could piece together all the parts and you could start to look at yourself like at the top of your page. If you have a sheet of paper there right now, or you've got a note section in your iPhone, or you've even got a pen in your hand handy, I want you to write down, what am I avoiding? And then write another dot point that says, I have never met a human who doesn't make perfect sense. Because if you are willing to look back and backtrack and find what events happen and the false beliefs you created in those moments, you would probably see exactly why you are, the exact way that you are. And from that space of awareness, you can fucking do something about it. We all have the opportunity to change. And this is what I love about me so much. I'm going to get into so much more on podcast number two, but a part of my journey that I love the fucking most is I have hit rock fucking bottom, financial rock bottom, herpes rock bottom, physical rock bottom, just pain and trauma and suffering in relationship rock bottom. And I have really built myself from rock bottom up, which means nothing was handed to me on a platter. I created it myself. I faced off with my fears and all of my limiting beliefs and I become more back every single fucking day. And if I can, you can too. So what the fuck are you avoiding? Let's get super clear on that because with awareness, we can take aligned action and awareness plus aligned action. What does that equal fan? Radical aligned change. Strap yourself in because we are only just getting started. I am so fucking pumped to be here with you. Let's fucking go. We are going to have so much fun. I can't wait to hear what your biggest takeaways from today are. Have a beautiful, brilliant day. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. If you're desiring more from me right now, Firstly, I love your eagerness. And secondly, let's make it happen. Check out the link in my show notes where you can receive more information on my books, breakthroughs, online webinars, all upcoming courses and programs, 
and how you can get started on your journey within my world today. I can't wait to be back in your ears next week. And trust me, you won't want to miss this episode.